Amen. Let's go ahead and stand one more time for the reading of God's Word. Go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Um, Theodore Roosevelt, uh, President Roosevelt, um, he said this about mutters. He said, when all is said, it is the mutter and the mutter only who is a better citizen than the soldier who fights for his country. The successful mother, the mother who does her part in rearing and training to ride the boys and girls who are to be the men and women of the next generation, is of greater use to the community and occupies, if she only would realize it, a more honorable as well as more important position than any man in it. The mother is the one supreme asset of the national life. She is more important by far than the successful statesman or businessman or artist or scientist. Now, we used to be in, there used to be a generation that truly honored their mothers, that had the respect for their mothers. But now we live in a day and age where children are their oppressors. And the um, Bible talks about woe is us when children become the oppressors. But as many times... Because the relationship with father and mother has ceased um, to be. And um, today, they're going to talk more about, though, is a man ever to submit to his wife. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Okay. Okay, verse 22 is many men's favorite verse. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. That's probably the one scripture that every man in the world knows, whether saved or lost. Um, he doesn't know where it's found. He doesn't know the context, but he knows it's in there somewhere. You know, I mentioned a while back that, you know what mothers say, we talk about how wonderful moms are, and fathers say we talk about how the men are doing it all wrong, and they need to shape it up and do it right. And then, um, since I gave that warning, I couldn't preach this message for Father's Day because they don't want to be here. So I'm doing it for Mother's Day instead, amen? But in verse 21, it says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband, says unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore is the church the subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So are men to love their wives as their own bodies. He the love of his wife, love of himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife 
even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the reading of your word, that we actually have your word in our hands. The um, scriptures of that the, the, you've used, holy men of old, who were moved by your Holy Ghost to pen the scriptures. And we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, I just read this this morning, um, and it was um, about what not to buy your wife for Mother's Day. And um, it said, although the only person a man usually shops for, in his, for, for is his wife, the whole experience is still yet a stressful one. Many a man has felt extreme frigid temperatures for a long period based on a poor present decision. As a veteran of these wars, I'm not sure what to buy my wife, but I'll pass on what not to buy her. Number one, don't buy anything that plugs in. Anything that requires electricity is seen as utilitarian. Don't buy clothing that involves sizes. The chances are one in 7,000 that you will get her size right, and your wife will be offended the other 6,999 times. Do I look like size 16? She'll say. And in too small a size doesn't cut it either. I haven't worn size 8 in 20 years, she'll say. Number three, avoid all things useful. The new silver polish advertised to save hundreds of hours is not going to win you any brownie points. Fourthly, don't buy anything that involves weight loss or self-improvement. So perceive a six-month membership to a diet center as a suggestion that she's overweight. And don't buy jewelry. The jewelry your wife wants, you can't afford. And the jewelry you can't afford, she doesn't want. Finally, don't spend too much. She'll say, how do you think we're going to afford that, she'll ask. But don't spend too little. Because she won't, she won't say anything, but she'll think, is that all I'm worth? And I don't know if all those are true. Um, we got many godly ladies in here, I mean, very content ladies. My wife would be like, oh, if you just buy me any piece of jewelry, it'll be wonderful. Even if it's not worth thousands of dollars. Um, now, about into the message. Ways a godly man submits to his wife. Um, you know, usually we teach about you know how a wife is to be submissive to her husband. But there are several areas, and we're just going to cover a few of them, where a man is to submit um, to his wife. Um, Burr Bramlett, preacher, um, he's celebrating in a couple of weeks 50 years of ministry. And um, we're going to have him teach in a couple of weeks as well for our Sunday school class. But he taught me um, this um, one day is that, yes, you know what? The husband is the head of the home. Very scriptural. But it's also very true that the wife is the neck that turns the head. And so that's something he taught me. A great preacher for 50 years. And um, so I know I learned it from someone good. And even if that maybe isn't biblical, that's how it is practically many times, isn't it? Um, in verse 21 um, of chapter 5, we see there is a mutual submission that the Apostle Paul is um, telling the church at Ephesus to be following. And um, we see that he says, 
um, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. That there is to be a mutual submission. And he's telling this to the church in general, that we are to be submissive to one another. And yet it's in the same context where it talks about a wife submitting to a husband as well. Now, submitting to someone, especially if they are not in authority in your life, requires humility on your part. Now, 1 Peter 5 and verse 5 says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. There again, telling Christians that where do you be submitting to one another? Even if they're not our boss, they're not our employer, they're not our husband, or they're not a leader in the church or some other type of authority figure. The Bible tells us to submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God. That we're to do this out of obedience to God by voluntarily submitting to each other that maybe is not in charge of us. You know, a contention anywhere, contention in the workplace, contention in the home, always comes due to a lack of humility. Just about every fight would end in a marriage relationship if just one partner was humble. If one partner chose to be humble, usually. Now, there are cases where, you know what, um, you know, an abusive husband or a, um, a husband that is overbearing. There, there are cases where as humble as, as you are, it doesn't seem to change anything. And we must guard ourselves from those kinds of situations. But usually the conflicts we're in... It's due to a lack of humility on either both parties or on one side, at least. Proverbs 13.10 says, only by pride come of contention. Only by pride come of contention. That there is the pride that gets in the way, and that is what causes us to be contentious with one another. You know, even as Paul told the church to um, submit yourselves one to another, that would include in a marriage relationship that a husband is to submit to his wife, even though she may not be the head, though she may not be the authority figure, a husband is to submit to his wife. Philippians 2, 3 says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look, not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Oh, as men, as husbands, we're to look at the needs of our wife above our own. We're to esteem what, 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 are, what are they in need of? What are their desires? And though she maybe is in subjection in the authority, under the authority structure that God has placed in the home, a man is to submit to the needs of his wife. And so there ought to be a mutual um, submission in the home. 
a wife submitting to her husband's leadership, and a man submitting to the needs of his wife. Secondly, if a wife is supposed to submit to her husband's leadership, a man needs to be submitting leadership in the home. Ephesians 5.23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. So Jesus Christ is the head of the church. I think we'd all agree that it's a church where to be subject to Christ. It's not that Christ ends up being subject to us. But yet, what does Christ submit to his church? He submits leadership. He gives us direction. He gives, he gives us our word. And, you know, many men will say, you know, my wife won't let me lead. You know, many times it's because we're not leading. You know, a godly woman, a godly wife, generally, they, they, they desire for their men to be leaders. They want them to take the leadership role. The problem is that men are often taking their leadership role in selfish ways instead of looking at the need for the wife and for the family spiritually overall. And if we're to be leaders, if we're to submit leadership in our home, then we need to seek the Lord in our decisions. You know, Christ is our head. And we're to submit to his leadership and seek him in our decisions. And when you make decisions after you've sought the Lord, you must be confident in those decisions. You know, sometimes wives will be like, you know, maybe we shouldn't do that. And there's times where as a man, you need to have wisdom. You need to be discerning where, you know, what is this counsel from my wife that I need to take heed to? Or is it a situation that, you know what, maybe the wife's just a little bit more emotionally involved and you need to be the one that makes the decision, that you need to make the leadership decision, that even though she may be fearful, she will gain confidence if you make the right decisions. But you also must be willing to acknowledge your mistakes. Uh, You know, um, Brother Rick, um, who's not here today, so I'll have to harass him. I already sent him a text message. Um, um, he t- took me to a leadership conference um, just um, this week. Um, gave me a ticket to go to this leadership thing. And in it, one of the speakers said, um, he was talking about the need to have vision. The need to lead. And the thing is that people will often forgive you as a leader when you make mistakes. You know, your wife will be forgiven if you acknowledge that you make mistakes. You know, my wife sometimes she'll tell me, you go, oh, you just think you're perfect, don't you? I go, no, but you sure seem to. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, um, but um, people will forgive leaders when they make mistakes. But they won't forgive you for lack of vision. If there's a lack of vision, if there is a lack of direction, you know, a wife is going to have a harder time following because there is no leadership that she sees. And so as husbands, we are to submit to our wives um, a godly and loving leadership. Generally speaking, wives will forgive their husbands when they make mistakes and they acknowledge it. But they will have a difficult time submitting to your leadership if you have no vision. And so you must have vision. 
You know, a godly husband is also going to submit to his wife care and protection. You know, the Bible says, and he is the savior of the body. That we're to love as Christ loved the church. And that the Bible says Christ is the savior of the body. And that's the type of love we are to have for our spouse. And that we are to be the savior of the body. Is the Lord delivered his church from the dangers of sin, of death and hell. So the husband provides for, protects and preserves his wife. And he'll care about his marriage even if the wife seems not to care. That, you know, even if the wife just wants to give up, she's frustrated. Well, you know, maybe we're just not going to work out. Well, the Bible says you as the man, is the leader, as Christ loved the church, is to focus on being the savior of the body. Being the savior of your marriage. That is Christ is the savior of the church. The church can't save herself. We cannot bring our own salvation. It is simply by faith and what Christ has provided for us. And although a woman should strive to get their marriage to work, as a man, as the leader, you ought to take your marriage of such a priority that even when your wife is feeling weak and frustrated, that you are striving to be the savior of that marriage relationship. You're the one that's supposed to submit the care, the protection, and the security. The godly husband's also going to be one that submits wisdom, assurance, and is trustworthy. In verse 24, It says, therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in what? Everything. Here we see a wife's submission to her husband is in everything. And so that means, you know what, as men, as husbands, as leaders in general, that we need to be able to be making the wise decisions. We need to be able to give assurance. We need to be able to be trustworthy. If wives are to submit to their husbands and everything, then husbands need to be trustworthy, to be wise in their leadership. A wife deserves to have assurance. If we keep blowing it big over and over again, it's going to be hard for our wives to follow. Sure, does the scripture still tell her to? Sure, but you know, you can make it easier by submitting wisdom, assurance, and are a trustworthy person. And a godly man is going to submit love to his wife. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. You know, a man once went to Dr. Harry Ironside at preacher years ago, and said, you know what, Pastor, I fear that I love my wife too much. I think I'm just showing her my love to her so much that I feel like it's wrong, that maybe I'm idolizing her too much. Dr. Harry Ironside told him that, well, you know what, the the scriptures teach that he, he said this, 
Do you think you love your wife more than Christ loved the church? The husband didn't dare say that he did. And then the, guy, the pastor said, well, that's the limit to which we may go. You love your wife as Christ loved the church. That's the standard. As Christ loved the church, that he gave himself, that he was willing to die on our behalf. A husband ought to be willing to die, if so need to be, for his wife. To love her as Christ loved the church. As Christ's love for the church is without limits. Nothing is held back. You know what the Bible says in 1 John 4:19. We love Him because He first loved us. We ought to be showing our love to our wife first. Even if she's not doing right, we are to show our love to her. God's love for us does not depend on our love for Him. His love is unconditional. So it should be with our love for our wife. You know, some will say, well, you just don't understand my wife. You don't understand how difficult she is. You don't understand how cruel, how wicked she is. Now, it is true, the Bible does say that it is better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. So, you know, yes, you know what? I understand, you know what? There can be scary situations. But you know what? What a mess this world was in when Christ came. Man, full of sin, full of wickedness. The Bible says that God commended His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that while we are yet sinners. Say, oh, my wife's just such a sinner. You know what? So were we. So are we. And yet Christ gave of Himself for us even though we were wicked, even though we were sinners. That's the kind of love a husband is to submit to his wife. That even if she's screaming and hollering at him, love him. I didn't say it was easy. But it's the command. It's what we're to follow. That we are to love our wife. And generally what you will find is you truly empty yourself. You love your wife. As Christ loved the church, she will learn to love you back. You know, men are naturally selfish. You know, a woman maybe are too. I think human nature in itself, we're often selfish. Usually women are usually more giving. But it's not always the case. But men are naturally selfish. It takes a concentrated, focused effort to love our wife in the fashion as Christ loved the church. In verse 28, it says, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. As you love yourself, as you love the things you do, whether it be going fishing or whether it be going hunting, Andrew, you like going hunting, right? When you go hunting, how many days do you go for? As many as you can. They're out there in the wilderness taking forever to find anything sometimes. Sometimes they get lucky. 
But some, they're out or they're dedicated. They're dedicated to hunting. And they justify us. We're trying to provide meat for our home. They're trying to buy, even if they got everything, they still want to go out there. They enjoy it. And it's a great thing, a great thing to enjoy hunting. But as we do things for ourselves, as much as we're dedicated to doing the things we like to do, you know, a fisherman, they'll keep fishing. They'll fish all day till they catch something. And once they catch something, they're like, oh, the fish are biting now. I'm going to stay longer. They're dedicated to it. Man, we went fishing last week. We didn't catch anything. But we were there starting about 3 o'clock, and we didn't start leaving till like 9 o'clock at night. So six hours. Didn't catch anything. We went to two different places. You know, we, we, we do the things that we like to do. And it may be different for you. May, there may be other hobbies, other things you like to do. But as much effort as you put into that, remember you put that kind of effort into your wife. That you're dedicated um, to her. That so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He the love of his wife, love of himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourished of and cherished of it, even as the Lord, the church. Now it says, he that love of his wife, love of himself. How true it is. You submit yourselves to your wife. You're dedicated to your spouse. That love usually returns um, a hundredfold. But even if it doesn't. That's where we must be willing to die with humility, to, to have a humility, to be unselfish. Because, as men, you're not going to give an account to the Lord on how your wife responded to your leadership and to your love. You're going to give an account to the Lord on how you submitted your love to your spouse as Christ loved the church. When you take care of your wife exceptionally, she'll naturally care for you. Does your speech portray love? And you speak, and I'm not talking about just saying, I love you. But it's your speech in general manifests that you love your wife. Colossians 3.19 says, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Be not bitter against them. Not always being upset, being angry, or being bitter that something didn't get done right or how you expected it to be done. You're to be submitting your love to your wife even in your speech. And I can tell you that a husband that's bitter towards his wife is not having a happy marriage. They're not always rejoicing, oh, I just got the greatest marriage I could have. If you're acting bitter in your speech to your wife. 1 Peter 3.10 says, For he that will love life. He wants to love life. Anybody want to enjoy their life? Anybody? Okay, some of you do. Some of you are so bitter you don't want to enjoy life. But most of us, I think all of us, we want to enjoy life. The Bible says, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips that they speak no guile. Man, if you want to enjoy your life, if you want to enjoy having the opportunity to go out hunting without your wife complaining, be loving towards her. Be kind. Be gracious. 
especially work her up before you go. Okay? Let them know that they are the object of your affection. But make sure you, they don't think you think of them just as an object, too, okay? But let them be the person of your affection, your care, your love. If you want to enjoy your marriage, don't be coming home after work just complaining about what's not done. Try to see how you could um, be a help. Let your speech portray your love. If you want to enjoy life, guard your words. And a loving husband, a godly husband, is going to submit the word of God to his wife and family. Ephesians 5 verse 26, speaking about the love of Christ. And it says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. You know, where do you model our love for our wife is Christ loved the church and Christ submits the word of God to the church. That he may sanctify, that he may cleanse the church and we must take conscientious care that we lead our wives that we lead our family in um, devotions and reading the Word of God. As head of the home, you are primarily responsible for the instruction in the Word and the spiritual growth in your home. Now, 1 Corinthians 14.35 says, And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home. You know, the focus didn't say, you know what? If, some, if a woman learns something in the church, it doesn't say, oh, you know what, just go ask the pastor. It says, ask your husbands at home. And ladies, you know what that helps? That helps foster your husband to be the spiritual leader. Now, I know in many cases, the women are the spiritual leader in the home. And praise the Lord for those kind of moms that they're leading spiritually in the home. But you know what, many of them were just dying that their husbands would take that leadership. That they would be the spiritual leader in the home. That they would be the one giving the word. That would make it a priority. The spiritual health. The nurture of the family. It says if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home. Okay? That helps the husbands, one, be that leader when you are asking questions. When you go, now what do you think about what the preacher said? I don't know if I agree with that. Then the husband could all say, oh, yeah, he's right. Amen? Come on, man. <laughs> but, oh, but you could um, discuss it. You could, and, and, you know, sometimes the man won't, maybe doesn't know. You know, maybe the wife's been saved longer. Maybe she has more spiritual growth. Maybe he's recently saved. And stuff. But, you know what? Then it, it would provoke him to study. Provoke him to want to learn. And sometimes they may ask the pastor, ask someone else. But husbands, submit the word of God in your home. A godly man is also going to submit a unity of oneness. The Bible says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. 
You know what? Do things together. Work on your marriage being a unity. Not everything always being separate. Sure, there may be some things that you enjoy doing, different things that you enjoy doing. Now, you don't have the same taste in everything. But you know what? Overall, let there be a unity. Let there be something that you enjoy with your wife, even if you don't enjoy it. It's easier to preach than to practice. But we all do work on it. Amen. You know, yeah, me, I, we were going shopping, and, you know, I'll find a sh- sh- some seed and just sit and go, okay, let me know when you're done. Well, yeah, she wants me to go with her and go, no, look at this. Look at all these clothes. And it's like, there's like 500 clothes. I'm not going to be able to pick one out of there. And then when I do pick, she's like, oh, I don't like that one. (laughs) But, you know, I said, you know, we all need to be working on it, myself included. But submit honor towards your wife. Now, the Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 7, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. Dwell with them according to knowledge. The reason you need to dwell with them is because if, if, if once you leave to go to the store and come back, she may be a different person and you don't know what she thinks or anything. Because some wives are always changing. They're, all, they're always changing their mind. One thing's their favorite, and then all of a sudden they hate that. You know, my wife used to love Starbucks, and like, oh, I have to go to Starbucks. And then if I get her Starbucks coffee, it'd be like, oh, that's, that's gross. I like something else. You, know, you need to learn to dwell with them. You need to spend time with them so you're ready when they change. That you're ready for it. Dwell with them according to knowledge. That means, you know what, ask them questions. Seek their heart. Seek their interests. And be ready for it to change. But be willing. Be ready. Be always there to be the one that praises your wife. Don't let it be that there's always some other man somewhere that's always praising your wife. Always speaking about how wonderful she is, how smart she is, whether it's the place she works or whatever it be. You be that man by being that man. Don't get all jealous and envious if someone does praise your wife. But you be a man that your wife knows she comes home that she is praised. Billy Sunday, a preacher of old, said, he said, Try praising your wife even if it frightens her at first. Try praising your wife even if it frightens her at first. Proverbs 20, 31, 28 says, Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he prays of her. Now, sometimes we'll talk about the virtuous woman, about how wonderful, how godly she is. Well, you know what? That woman has a husband that's praising her. That's there lifting her up. You know, if you're going to be a godly husband, you also need to submit to your role as father. Or as a grandfather, as many of you maybe are. And not be someone that's known as an angry man. Or absent-minded. Which all of men are probably known for that to some degree. But work on changing that. Be one that trains your children in the way of the Lord. In Ephesians 6, 4, it says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children new wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Don't provoke your children new wrath, but bring them up in the nurture 
an admonition of the Lord. It didn't say here mothers are supposed to be the sole ones bringing their children up. It says fathers. Fathers are to be that spiritual leader is the father. All these riots we see in Baltimore, that would almost be non-existent if fathers did their role. If fathers did their job in their home. If fathers were actually there. Malachi 4, 5 says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Here we see a prophecy about John the Baptist, that he would come as Elijah. That he would turn the hearts of the father to the children and children's hearts to the father. And he says, if if this doesn't happen, then the earth will be smitten with a curse. You know what? Baltimore is going through a curse because there hasn't been fathers there. There haven't been fathers that stayed with the same woman. There hasn't been fathers that trained them in the nurture of the Lord. They train them to, to seek God first before all other things. To seek Him, His kingdom, and His righteousness above all else. Father, submit your hearts to your children, to your grandchildren. It's part of your responsibility as a husband, as a father. Last, we will end with this. He submits to his head, his leader. Turn you First Corinthians 11. First Corinthians 11, verse 1. Norma, if you could go ahead and please get ready to play the or, or is Rich playing the guitar? Okay. But a man that's supposed to also in many ways as we cover submit to his wife, things he's supposed to submit to his wife, to be the right leader, to be the right man in our relationship, we need to be submitting to our leader. To be submitting to Jesus Christ. First Corinthians 11 verse 1 says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Here he's exhorting the believers to follow himself, Paul, as he is following Christ. Many times wives have a hard time following their husband is because he's not submitted to his authority. He's not submitted to Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I have delivered them to you. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man and the head of Christ is God. So I would have you know That the head of every man is Christ. If you want your marriage relationship to thrive, be submitted to your leader. Be in submission to Jesus Christ. You know, I mentioned this in Sunday school. My boys, or one of my boys, had had three baseball games yesterday and um, a tournament. And they won two of the three, so they have to play again today. Their game's going on right now. 
And um, the, the coach knows if it's Sunday or if it's during church on Sunday, we don't bring Solomon. But this is a tournament. This is something they really want, want, want to be able to win, and they're going against a tough team. And so the coach sent me a text message and asked, he goes, Jason, um, you know, is there any way that Solomon could come? Is there any way we could really use him? Um, we'll come pick him up, and we'll bring him home afterwards. But I'll respect you for whatever decision you make. You know, I know that makes my son feel good. You want to be wanted. But, um, you know, I told the coach, you know what? You know, I understand that. But as a father, I'm teaching my children to have certain priorities. And secondly, this is of lesser importance, but I say so important. As a pastor, I ought not to be sending messages to our congregation. But foremost, as a father, one to teach my children the proper priorities. And you know what? He's having a good attitude about it. He's happy to be in church. He's like, I got to play yesterday. And he's like, you know, if you guys win in the, win in the morning, then maybe I could come to the game after that. Because if they win, then they'll have another game at 1 o'clock. You know, where do be? It's tempting sometimes to change our priorities. But the Lord ought to be our priority. He's who we ought to seek first. He's the one we ought to submit our leadership to. You know, there may be some rest of you could go ahead and come on up or do it right there. Amen. Yeah. You know, Jesus Christ is the creator. He is preeminent above all things. And he does love us so much that he did give himself for us. His love is unconditional. And the Bible says that he is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. He wants us to come to him in faith. You know, says, you know what, there can be occasions where a man, a husband, loves his wife, does everything he could for her, and she still checks, she still leaves. It's rare when a husband's showing that kind of love, but it still happens. A woman will just leave, they'll leave their marriage, they'll be self, they'll have their own priorities. The same way as Christ loved us first, we're still able to reject that love. We're still to turn our own way and go into destruction. But Jesus wants to save you and I from the eternity of damnation in hell, separated from God for all of eternity. But you must receive Christ. You must believe upon Him. Believe upon His death, His burial, His resurrection. Let's all please stand and bow bow our heads. Eyes closed. If there's anyone in here that does not know Jesus Christ, you don't know Him as your Savior, you don't know for sure if heaven would be your home. Please make your way down this aisle. You know, I'll direct you to someone that will show you from the Word of God how you can have that eternal life in Jesus Christ. He loved us. He loved us unconditionally. We'll have no one to blame but ourselves if we reject that sacrifice that He made for us. 
Husbands, maybe you know, be rededicate your life today. You may already be dedicated, but you know what? Dedicate with a stronger fervor to take note of these things, of ways a man is to submit to his wife. That he's supposed to mutually submit, submit to her needs. That he is to submit leadership. That you're to submit care and protection for her. That you are to submit wisdom, assurance, and to be trustworthy. And that you're to submit love, even as Christ loved the church. And that you submit the word of God to her. That you submit a unity of oneness. That you submit honor and praise to her. That you submit to your role as a father. And that you submit to your head, Jesus Christ. We'll just spend a moment, time in prayer as the instrument plays. Ask the Lord to help you to be a better man, to be a better husband of your marriage. And if you're a wife, you want to be a better wife. If you have that meek and quiet spirit that want to um, love your husband as well. Widows and others that maybe aren't married. You know, just be an example. You know what? You were married at one time if you're a widow, and the Bible talks about the elder woman teaching the younger woman how to love their husbands. Be a model to be an example. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray, Lord, that you help us men to be better husbands or um, men that aren't married to still be better leaders, to be followers of you, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that you help us all to have a happy Mother's Day today, celebration of our moms and of our wives. We just ask, Lord, for your blessing on the day. In Jesus' name, amen. We got some new gospel tracks, some big ones, some big tracks um, in the track rack. Dra- grab some before you leave. And this Saturday, um, we'll be having um, our saturation outreach where we'll go house to house, inviting people um, new church and point them new Christ. Amen. God bless you. Shake hands. Fellowship. Be friendly.